that is exactly what we're going to be talking about today. That you have been called higher. And we will go where he leads us. Lord God, as we prepare to hear your message today, God, I just pray, Father, would you just open our hearts to hear, just to hear what you have to say to us today. God, I know there's people here today that are struggling. God, 2015 was difficult. God, I pray that we can come into a new year with a heart celebrating you, just focused on you. God, today we pray less of us and more of you in Christ's name. Amen. You can be seated. I want to thanks to the, to the worship team. Um, so I'm going to be going through some scriptures, a lot of it, but I'm not going to put you through too much. Be going on and off with these. Uh, y'all give me a second to get situated. So as I said, I'm, I'm Chris Kellum. I'm the worship leader here. And, um, and one of the elders, and John Hugh and Linda are, uh, man, they're skiing. So David, one of the other elders, was up for last week. And, uh, and so I'm up for this week. But I want to say this. It is such a blessing. I mean, it, is, it really is. It's such a blessing to be part of this church, to be part of a church that is truly gospel, just Centered, just centered around the gospel, a gospel-driven church, a church that is here like to make a difference, really, really, like I'm telling you that, like that is why we are here. We are, we are uh, we're not on this corner to have a nice, shiny, little white church. We're on this corner because we want you to experience the power of the gospel. That's it. 2016, as I said earlier, we're going to be focusing on a couple of things. One is rise with God. We've, we've talked about that last year, but we're focusing on it this year, rise with God. What that looks like to wake up each day and spend time in God's Word. And the other thing we're talking about is loving your neighbor. Now, I know that, that y'all are going to be like, man, every church is supposed to get up and spend time with the Lord and like go help the neighbors. But I mean like for real, like go out. What like We want to be intentional about reaching out to our neighbors around us so that, so that they know the gospel. So they know the gospel. We, you know, John, Hugh, and I had this thing, it's, it's, and we, we say this all the time. It's like if we were to pick up and leave the neighborhood, would anybody know? Would anybody know? And so we are focusing on rising with God and... TK, you going to jam for us, bro? <laughs> we're, gonna, we're focusing on rising with God and uh, loving your neighbor for one reason. Because we want people to know the gospel. So to, um, I had this, you know, years ago that uh, I was, and I, whenever I preach, I usually share this. What happened to me on the weekend that I accepted Christ kicking and screaming was I had this dude, and he walked up to me, like, right after it all went down, and he walked up to me, and he was about as big as that door over there, and he had this solid, I mean, solid pair of overalls. Like, I mean, like, he, this dude had been on a tractor a lot, and his overalls were all beat down. He had a mean wife beater on and some good just chest hair popping out, had a solid hat on, and he walked out, and he walked up to me, and I'll be honest, I'm a Northeast Jackson dude. You know, that's how I grew up. 
I was jealous of this guy immediately. I wanted to be this guy just a little. And, but he walked up to me, and I was really emotional at the time because I had accepted Christ the night before, and I was kind of tripping out. And he, he walked up to me, and, and I swear, I, y'all, as much as I laugh about this dude, I think he was an angel because he said these words to me, and I've never forgot. He goes, you can't never be the same once you've done seeing the face of Jesus. And I went, whoa. He turned around, and he walked off. I've never seen that guy since. Never seen him since. And I use that all the time. In fact, I'm sure my family's sitting over here going, shut up, Dad. You tell that story all the time. But I'm telling you, it's because this guy, not just because I wanted to be like him, not really, but in a, you know, like in a TV show type way, but I wanted to like, when he walked off, I wanted to be like him. I wanted that assurance. I wanted to be able to walk up to some dude that I didn't even know and go, man, once you've seen the face of Jesus, you ain't never the same. And then walk off. And whoever that person was that I just spoke to just melt like I melted that day. Because I knew it was real. I knew what this guy was saying was real. Today we're going to be talking about, we're going to be talking through the book of Romans. Well, Paul wrote the book of Romans. Right? Well, Paul was, um, Paul was, you know, he was Paul, man. He was, actually his name was Saul of Tarsus. And a lot of you know the story. He was, um, he was this real educated dude, right? He like, he went to this school called Gamaliel, Gamaliel, however you say that. But it was his school and it was, it taught, it it taught Eastern, I mean, it taught classical literature. It taught um, ethics, and it taught this, everything that you could think of, of this big, just this big education center that was very well respected. He must not have done too good in ethics, I have to say, because he went off killing Christians. I don't know how that worked out too well. But, but Paul, or Saul, Saul had one of those moments on the road to Damascus that rocked his world. See, it rocked his world. And what happened was he had seen the face of Jesus. He had seen the face of Jesus. Well, Paul didn't start the church in Rome after he saw the face of Jesus, right? He went out, and after some time, he went out, and he started planting all these churches. But he didn't plant the church in Rome. Now, the thing about Paul, he was a Roman citizen, and he was Jewish. But see, at Pentecost, in Acts 2, we learn about Pentecost. Well, when the Holy Spirit came, some, some citizens of Rome were there. And when they found out about Jesus, when Jesus, when they saw His face, they went back to Rome and they started this church. Right? So now Paul decides, I'm going to write a letter to them. Paul didn't start the church. The apostles didn't start the church. So he writes this letter. And he spends the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans spelling out in detail What to believe. What to believe. And then he spends chapters 12 through 16, what to do with it. How to behave. That type. So today, we're going to talk about chapters 1 through 12. I promise you all this though. I once heard this, uh, this pastor say that a sermon needs to be like a woman's dress. Heard it from a pastor. Hold up. A sermon needs to be like a woman's dress. It needs to be long enough to cover everything, but short enough to keep your attention. 
So that's where we're going today. All right? I'm going to knock this out. <laughs> I know some of y'all right now what you're thinking, and I promise. I heard that literally. I heard it from a pastor. Paul, um, I love thinking, you know, that uh, when he wrote this letter to his people, that he wanted them to know. Like, he, he really just, and I could see him sitting there writing and writing in detail, like, writing it just in detail, in detail. And I love the movie, or I love the, I watched the clip this week of the Al Pacino movie where the, he's the sports, what was it called, Kurt? You, you were in there. Any Given Sunday. And he says, it's a game of inches. It's a game of inches. I love that. It's a game of inches. Well, I can see Paul sitting there writing this. It's a game of inches. He, won, he wrote every little thing. Wrote it all down. And so, check this out. So Paul starts off, if you've got your Bible, turn to Romans. It's going to be quick, but I want you to turn to Romans. And look, what I'm using today, a lot of what I'm using is this New Century version. And uh, I'll be reading out of this New Century, and then we'll switch back to the NIV. I like to use different translations when, uh, when, I'm, when I'm doing some studying. But check this New Century version out. So, so he starts off in Romans, and what he's saying is, is God, this is God's plan to save us. And then he talks about, so you can see in the first chapter that he spells out the good news, right? He's spelling out the good news of the gospel and just why he's here. He's, in chapter 2, he starts talking about that, that you people are sinful. He's telling them, look, y'all are sinful. He's talking about all. And then he talks about the law, right? He's, he's, remember, he was, he was well educated and, he, and even says he was, Paul describes himself in Scripture, as a Pharisee, he describes himself as, as well, well-versed in Judaism, right? He was like this, he was a stud, right? And he goes on, he talks about the law, the Jews and the law, and then he says that all people are guilty. And, and uh, in chapter 3, he says that all people are guilty. And he says, he says this, he says, so are we Jews better than others? No. No. We've already said that Jews and those who are not Jews are guilty of sin, as the Scriptures say. And then he goes on and he, he quotes Scriptures from Isaiah and from the Psalm. Scriptures that they would have known. Right? So he says that, you know, we're sinful. And he says that we're guilty. We're guilty. Then he says how God makes people right. How God makes people right. Love 3, verse 22. God makes people right with Himself through their faith in Jesus Christ. This is true for all who believe in Christ because all people are the same. Everyone has sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard and all need to be made right with God by His grace, which is a free gift. Which is a free gift. They need to be made free from sin through Jesus. God sent Him to die in our place to take away our sins. To re- we receive forgiveness through faith in the blood of Jesus. I love that. He just gets right to the point. And then he goes on, he starts talking about since we're made right, you flip over here to chapter 5, and he said since we've been made right with God by our faith, we have peace. 
peace with God. Last night, Polly and I were sitting there and we watched something happen where we experienced the peace of God. We saw it happen. It was amazing and it was a, it was a teaching lesson. Peace of God. So he's like, all right, listen, you're sinful. We're all guilty. But you've been made right. You've been made right with God. Like, and now that like, like you, you're made right through Jesus, but guess what? Guess what? You get peace. There's peace with God. Remember who he's talking to. He's talking to his peeps, man. He's talking to his peeps. He's writing stuff down. He wants them to know. His heart's yearning for it. I can feel it inch by inch. And he tells them that they're dead to sin, but they're alive in Christ. You know, I love that. I love when he says that. And then you, you see that the payment for sin is death, right? Romans 6, uh, Romans 6, 23. The payment for sin is death, but God gives us the free gift of life forever in Jesus. And then he goes on and he tells them, look, our fight is against sin. Our fight is against sin. And, and then he says, there's a, there's a war going on within us. And I love this because, here's why, I want you all to listen to me. There's a war going on in, inside of us. Because, see, what Paul was saying was, look, look like we're free from this sin, but you're still letting it hold you down. He's like, don't, don't let it hold you down. They're like, you know, he's writing it. Don't you can't let it hold you down. You know, we're humans. We're naturally sinful. But you know what? Like all those animals that y'all used to sacrifice, and what's going down right now when you you spill the the blood of an animal? Like now, no, Jesus was sacrificed for you, so that guilt is gone. Once you believe in Him, you're right with God. And Paul is pleading in these letters. I can feel it. And then he says, but you know what, man? I struggle. He's like, man, I struggle. I do these talks. He goes through chapter 7. He says, there's a war within us. And listen to this. He says, I, I don't understand the things I do, and, and I don't do what I want to do. I do the things I hate. He skip down. He says, but, but I'm not really the one who's doing these hated things. It's the sin living in me. And then he goes on and on. He's like, man, what is wrong with me? I'm a miserable dude. But thanks be to God for sending Jesus for my sins. That's Paul, man. He wrote most of the New Testament. And there's those of us in here right now that are having a hard time forgiving ourselves for sin or sins or things that we've been doing or we can't get away from or we feel like we're not good enough for God. But the guy that wrote half of the New Testament is telling you he struggles with the same thing. And guess what? The prayer I pray every single day, Psalm 1913, was written by King David and it says this, Lord, forgive me for my willful sins. May they not rule over me. So wait a minute. The man after God's own heart, David, struggled with the same thing that you struggle with, that I struggle with. Paul, the man that wrote so much of the New Testament, struggled with the same thing. In fact, to the point where he said, man, there's a war going on inside me. 
there's so much craziness in me. And so you know what? Every day that I wake up, I want you all to know this, and I want you to think about this for yourselves. I, I have to do two things every day that I wake up. Before my feet leave the bed and hit the ground, I say, Lord, forgive me for my willful sins. May they not rule over me. And then I say, great is your faithfulness, O God. Morning by morning, new mercies. I see these promises he has given us. That's what we get to rest in. Paul is writing it. He wanted them to know. He tells them, look, when you, like, once you, once you, Accept Christ and the Holy Spirit comes and lives within you, that's the strength that you're going to have to give up this sinful life. Now, are you going to always do that? Are you going to make mistakes? Of course. Yeah. But God's Spirit will live in you. That's what we get to bank on. So he goes through these first 11 chapters and afterwards he starts talking about what I just read, he starts talking about God's mercy. First 11 chapters, and he spells it out. But I want to, I want to stop right there, and I want to tell you that what I'm about to share with you radically changed my life. Radically changed my life. It freaked me out. It completely disrupted my way of living when I... When I learned this, when I saw this for what it was. But before I get there, I want to I share this with you. I want you to fill in the blank. God made you to be, say it, Anna. Say it loud. God made you to be great. God made you to be great. Here, here's, here's where I'm going. We had this uh, several years ago, myself and and some other guys, Dobby. Uh, we started this, this camp called Ignite. Y'all have heard me talk about Ignite. It's one of the ministries, one of the missions that this church supports. And it's what we do is we, we bring in ex-pro and college athletes to train young men. And, uh, and we use that time to share the gospel. Well, we had this guy, Bill Buckley, who played at Mississippi State. Hold on. He played at State, and then he went on to play with the Jets and play with Joe Namath. Pretty solid right there. I know a lot of y'all are like, all right, now I'm listening. But, so, but anyway, so Bill got up there one time, and there was, this, there was this guy, and he was leaning back in his chair, and his feet were all propped up, and, and Bill got up there, and Bill starts telling him, God made you to be great. And this dude was laid back. Bill's probably 65, I guess. And he kept saying to him, God made you to be great. He made you, made you for greatness. And that dude wasn't paying attention. Bill walked over there, and he kicked him, kicked his feet. Told him, he said, you sit up, boy. And that dude looked up, and he realized that he, he couldn't take that old man. Like, not the 65 or 70 years old. I'm just using that term loosely, Dad. So, <laughs> but, um, no, but see, so, but Bill got his attention. Bill got his attention, and he got up, and he looked at me and said, Son, I want you to know I love you. Because I love you, I need you to know this one thing. God made you. He created you to be great. And greatness begins with Jesus. 
And do you know at the end of that week, that young man accepted Christ, and his world was rocked. He saw the face of Jesus. I need you to know this today. That God made you to be great. And there are so many people that come up to us here at the church that I talk to. And what I hear from you is, man, I'm struggling, man. I'm struggling, Chris. I'm struggling. What's the purpose of life? What is it? I mean, really, like I get it. I've accepted Christ. But like, why am I here? I hear this, Chris, man, I'm... I'm just too young to know what, what, what God's will is for my life. I'm too young to kind of... I don't... No. God made you to be great. And I want every one of you to know that. And these two verses that I'm about to read to you radically changed my life. And they allowed me to accept the fact that God made me and you for greatness in Jesus. And this is the formula. Because what happens is he went back and he spelled out the case. Here's inch by inch. Here's what it is. Here's why to believe in Jesus. Here's who he is. If you have your Bible, open up to Romans 12. Romans 12, 1. The first word... Is what? Therefore. Therefore. So this is what he's saying. I've laid this out to you, people. This is what Paul's saying. I've laid it out to you, right? Now you get it. Right? So now, I want you to accept Christ. And when you accept Christ, then he's going, Therefore. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to the Lord. This is true, is your true and proper worship. Now, I've had a lot of people, a lot of people say, bro, what does that mean? Like I'm talking to people about that. I talk about this all the time. What does that mean, Chris? Well, I love the NCV, the version I just put up there. I love the NCV version. B, would you put that up? I want you all to read this. Think about how Paul was writing to his, to his peeps. So, brothers and sisters, since God has shown us great mercy, I beg you to offer your lives as a living sacrifice to Him. Your offering must be only for God and pleasing to Him, which is the spiritual way for you to worship. I am begging you is what he's saying. I'm begging you. Man, I know, look, I not only do I want you to believe that Jesus is the Savior, but I want you to go a step further and give your whole life. I don't want 90%. I don't want 80%. I want 100%. And God is saying at 100%, things start happening. Things start happening. And I want you to know that he spells it out right here for us. It's like, therefore, now that you get it, surrender. Surrender. When I accepted Christ that weekend, I, I, I went back home and 
And man, I was on a high. Man, I was on a natural, just spiritual high. I was so excited. There's a lot of stuff I didn't understand as I started reading in God's Word. And then over time, I would... I was still very excited about Christ, but over time I kind of fell back into my own ways. I really did. I wasn't doing some of the extreme stuff like any of the acting like an idiot, but just some of the little things that I would all of a sudden, I would just say that that's okay. I was doing that before. It's not hurting anybody. See, it became okay. I wasn't all in, I want to tell you. I was close. But I wasn't all in. I wasn't offering my life as a sacrifice. And I'm talking about the kind of sacrifice that was hanging from the cross. That kind of sacrifice. I wasn't doing that. I don't do it now, but I try my best. I continue to mess up. I continue to screw up. But I'm covered in the grace of the Almighty King. And so are you. And so what Paul is saying is he's saying, I want you to accept Christ. I want you to like give your whole lives and surrender to Him. Then he says this, and I love it. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, You hear that word? Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, let me me just break this down real quick and then, then we're out. Stop conforming to the pattern of this world. We are all so guilty. I am the worst of conforming to the pattern of this world. And what God is saying is, stop conforming to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I love the translation on that. I love the translation is literally, God is saying, when you open up my word, when you get up each day and you open up my word, man, I'm going to do some amazing things for you. I'm going to transform your mind. I'm going to literally make your mind new. We just sang all things new. That's what God's saying. I will make your mind new. Favorite word. Then. Oh yeah. Then. When you do that, and our wills start lining up together, when you start getting closer to me, and I start whispering, little things to you, then you can test and approve what God's will is. See, God, this is, the, this is what I love about this. God isn't saying, you're going to go do this. You're going to go do this. What God is saying is, you know what? Then you can test and approve. I'm going to let you go try this. I'm going to let you go try this. Because He's a loving God. And I am telling each one of you here that when you stop conforming to the pattern of this world and you open up His Word daily, He will transform your mind. And at that point, when you continue to just get closer and closer and closer to Him, some amazing things start happening. As your will starts lining up with God's will, 
But Jesus says, I've come to give you life that you may have it to the full. I think that's the full. You know, uh, I hear this a lot too. Chris, I don't know, man. I don't got time. I don't have time to do this. Chris, I got to get up so early already. You know, I... Chris, man, I got to be at weights. I got to work out at 6 o'clock in the morning already. Yeah, I get it. Chris, I got to... And you fill in the blank. I hear it all the time. I get up to go duck hunting sometimes. I wake up at the crack. I wake up so early because it's what I want to do. There's times I wake up at 3 in the morning. And I'll drive over to Dobby's camp. I don't wake up at 3 in the morning, but I do, and it's something I really, really know is going to just be awesome. Well, I'm telling you, make the sacrifice to get up. Make the sacrifice at some point during your day to get in God's Word and allow Him to transform your mind. You know, a lot of us are sitting there waiting on God. We're waiting, waiting. But God's saying, hey, I I gave it to you right here. I gave it to you right here. Why don't you spend some time in this with me and let me whisper to you. Get a little personal with y'all. Just uh, part of my... Something I do. Every day of my life, I wake up, or every day, I try to always remind myself to tell my wife, to tell my kids, to tell others how much I love them, the good things about them, the gifts that God's given them. I love to see what happens when you say that. You ever done that? You ever know when you just lift somebody up a little bit, how they feel? You know, you're just like, oh, you put a little pep in their step. When somebody lifts you up, you're like, yeah, thanks, man. You walk away going, mm-hmm, yeah, I knew that. You know, just like, you know, I mean, you know what I'm talking about. But I love doing that. You know why I do that? I don't always want to do it. But I do it because every day I wake up and I get in God's word, he does it to me. He does it to me. He whispers these little things to me. Because I have a tendency, to honestly, to say, you know what, man, I am one shady dude. I'm like Paul. I'm like, man, what a wretched man I am. I have this past that's really fairly shady. But God whispers to me every morning, you know what? That life's gone. My son died for that. I get to hear it. I get to hear that each day. That's what we get to do. That's what you get. You get the opportunity for that. You know, uh, there's this, in 1980, the, uh, the 1980 Olympics, the the U.S. hockey team was coached by this guy named Herbert, what's his last name? 
Y'all know it? Herbert? What was it? Brooks. Brooks. Yeah, Herbert Brooks. And the, the, the Russians were this mighty, mighty force to be reckoned with. And the, the, the U.S. hockey team went on and they, they, they made it. They were, gonna, they were playing the Russians for the gold medal. And before, they, before the game, Coach Brooks got in the locker room and he starts talking to them about the Russians. But he tells them this. He says, you know, he looks at his team and he says, you were made to be hockey players. And he says, you were meant to be here. And he says this, this is your time. This is your time. And I'm telling you today, you were created as a child of the almighty living God. And you were meant to be here. This is your time. This is your time. And God wants to whisper in your ear each day and explain to you and build you up and start revealing to you what His will is for your life. That's the God we serve. He wants us to surrender to Him. He wants us to truly give it all. Stop conforming to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by His Word, by the renewing of your... Let let Him literally make you new. And then test and approve. That's the Word for you today. I want you to believe it because this is your time. 2016 is your time.